This is the Animal's Eye View podcast. I'm your host, Lizanne Flynn. Since we talked about dogs last week, I promised you that we would maybe delve a little bit deeper into the fabulous world of fascinating cats. And I thought it would be interesting to, because of course there's numerous poems about cats. I'm sure there are numerous poems, poems about dogs as well, but certainly cats. And I have a theory It'll be interesting to see if you agree with my theory about why humans sometimes seem to have more of a challenging relationship with cats, maybe some of us. Um, I think it can be nicely summed up in this poem by Ogden Nash, this very, very ever so brief four-line poem entitled The Kitten. And it goes, the trouble with a kitten is that eventually it becomes a cat. And I think for a lot of people, we might be really charmed by watching kittens, you know, scamper to and fro and jump up and suspend themselves in the air for like five seconds at a time as they as they magically levitate if something scares them or just because they can. And certainly within, you know, probably six months time, six months to a year's time, I think of kittens coming onto the planet that kitten find its finds itself into probably we would have to say accurately maybe an adolescent cat and maybe therein lies part of the issue for some people the word adolescent quote unquote because i think just like with our species adolescence for a lot of other species on the planet is a time to kind of find out about the environment in which you find yourself. It's a time to try some new things, to kind of learn what it is to be human on this planet, maybe what, and certainly for other species, it's a time to learn what does it mean to be cat on this planet? What does it mean to be dog on this planet? What does it mean to be bird, rabbit, horse, skunk, raccoon on this planet? And so there's and I think this is where we sometimes get into a little bit of trouble with our companion animals, animals, and especially I think sometimes with cats, is that we sometimes perceive that testing of boundaries, that that kind of let's let's see how firm this boundary is. Is this boundary made of concrete or is this boundary act, actually made of cardboard? And I'm going to fall through this boundary, and I. Oftentimes with my clients, that's what I invite them to remember, that if whatever species of companion animal you happen to be sharing your life with, when they when they push against a boundary, perhaps that you've established for them, perhaps maybe a physical boundary, like, oh, let's see whether I can jump from the floor up to the top of the refrigerator. <laughs> and sometimes there's a massive fail, and sometimes there's also a celebratory, oh, look at me, yes, I can jump from the floor onto the top of the refrigerator. They're they're not doing it to bug you. They're not doing it to <laughs> piss you off. They're doing it so they can really understand and incorporate their physical environment into their experience of what it means to be 
a species called cat on this planet. And I think sometimes for humans, this is where we get a little bit um, balled up, if you will, and the works kind of get mucked up, is that we tend to take that personally. Again, if we've uh, numbers of clients. I've probably done it myself, I freely admit, with my own two cats, of watching them, you know, perhaps get on the kitchen counter, which when they were living with me, they were not allowed to do. And I would just look at them and they would kind of maybe put a paw forward and then they would look at me again as if to say, huh, what are you going to do about this? And so, of course, it's not necessarily that they are in wanting to engage you in a, uh, I guess I would probably say an energetic battle, but make no mistake, they are wanting to see, okay, how consistent are you being with me? So if you're telling me that the kitchen counters are off limits, are, are how how consistent are you going to be in reinforcing that? And of course the answer is, just like with most things in life, the more consistent you can be with a person, place, or thing in your response to it, likely the better it will be for you because every single time you put out that consistent response, then the energy back is, oh, okay, so you really do mean that I can't get up onto the kitchen counters as opposed to, well, this time it's okay if you get up on the kitchen counters. I don't really mind so much because I kind of like having you up there. I'm cooking or I happen to be doing something and I kind of like watching you watch me work. I think it's really important to kind of be aware of maybe those subliminal conversations that we're actually having with ourselves. But make no mistake, whatever companion animal and most definitely cat is not only responding to and understanding and interpreting your physical response towards them, but they're most definitely engaging with the energetic part of you, which again, as I'll probably say a thousand times through all of these podcasts, animals are masters at the language of energy. Humans were a bit stuck back at Energy 101. (laughs) The good news is is that we can progress mostly using our environment around us as well as the help from our beloved companion animals. But again, with companion animals and setting those limits with them, and I think probably across species and maybe not just cat, that consistency for them is everything. Because again, it's important and it's necessary for them when they interact with you to understand what what the parameters are. And so you might imagine, imagine you in their place. And so one time someone might say, yeah, that's perfectly okay to do. And another time that individual might say to you and really kind of go off and say, you know, what the heck were you thinking? Um, how, how can you possibly think that this is okay? And of course, within the context of a human relationship, we would likely be thinking, well, this person that I'm interacting with, they told me before it was okay, and it really seems to kind of be dependent upon how they feel at the moment. And then you might then say to yourself, well, how does that make me feel? Chances are good that that probably makes you feel, I don't know whether it's really unstable, but certainly maybe a little less certain about how comfortable you feel in interacting with that individual. Your companion animals are remarkably 
and maybe not surprisingly, not really any less different than you are as far as a response goes. But think about that even more so, that these beings are responding to you, their human, who is basically in charge of everything about them. You're in charge of their shelter, you're in charge of their food, you're in charge of the temperature surrounding them, you're in charge of giving them comfort, you're in charge of getting them the medical care that they need when something is not uh, functioning well and, and is in imbalance in their physical form. So you can see how consistency really plays a big role and how you respond with that again it's tempting to think oh isn't that cute look what they're doing oh that's just so great I saw a video just on Facebook today it was a it was a funny video it was amusing to look at a great Dane whose dinner was eight minutes late and so his guardians decided to post a video and it's you know poking gentle fun I think and this beautiful dog whose dinner was eight minutes late and of course it's not that they tell time, but they do understand and they are creatures of habit so that when you feed them at a certain time every day, again, it kind of builds in that consistency for them that is just really critical at helping them to feel that they're in an environment that's comfortable and confident and consistent. At one point in this video, the male guardian started to put chicken from the container onto the counter and inviting the Great Dane then to, because his head, you know, we all have heard the term counter surfing with large breed dogs, <laughs> that this Great Dane's head was just about the size that if you just tilted it sideways just a little bit, his mouth could open up, the tongue could come out, and he could lap up the chicken. And you could hear the woman in the background saying, oh, we're not supposed to be counter surfing. And even though you might think that this is just a little, you know, gosh, Lizanne, don't th take things like this so seriously. The deal is that your animal companions, it's not that it's a serious thing, but they're looking for the consistency. So say, for instance, the next time perhaps there might be a fully cooked chicken out on that human's countertop. Who's to say that the Great Dane might come by and go, oh, look, there's a chicken. It's out there on the countertop. They fed me from the countertop before. I think this is an okay thing. And yes, we could have ongoing conversations about training, but even embedded within training, it's the consistency. It's building for your companion animals the consistency of, if I do this, the response I'm going to get from my human is that, and every single time that response is the same, that builds up a consistency for me and that helps me actually to relax. I mentioned a little bit earlier a theory that I happen to have about cats. You know, I don't think it's any coincidence that ancient civilizations such as Egyptians happen to worship cats. As I said in the podcast about dogs, we have domesticated dogs, certainly I think to a great degree. We have not been able to domesticate cats as much. And because of that, cats have maintained that slightly feral, slightly wildness that is also slightly of shadow, just a little bit. And if you maybe kind of lift the cover off of that and look just a little bit deeper, you might even find just a little bit of resonance within yourself because you also are a creature of both light and shadow. And within that shadow aspect of yourself, 
also is a little bit of the wild, a little bit of the unpredictable. And if you lift the cover off of that and look underneath, you might also find just a little bit of perhaps the unpredictable. And so, of course, all those layers kind of work together. And so when you're interacting with a cat, there there may very well be, even in that moment, a little bit of, yes, they seem to be perfectly fine and they're laying on their back and they're exposing their belly to me, which I understand is a move of submission. It's a move of trust. And if you've ever interacted with a cat for long, chances are good that maybe that cat will let you do that belly scratch for mm, I don't know three to five seconds <laughs> some of you are lucky and you may have even gone to like the 10 or 20 second mark before those hind legs come up in an attempt to push your hand away and perhaps the mouth and the forepaws come down in an attempt to say no I'm so sorry you've transgressed beyond the 10 second mark of rubbing my belly and now I have to basically eviscerate you because that's truly the move that cats are doing when they bring their hind claws up. If you've ever watched a cat, uh, even with a toy, uh, a, a toy prey, if you will, what they're doing is attempting to, and certainly I'm being reminded, uh, if you look at um, lions, tigers, cheetahs, leopards, those sorts of uh, cats in the wild, what they do is that they hold on with their uh, their teeth and their claws on the front part but then the back claws come up and what they're doing is literally attempting to open up the belly not to get too gruesome about it of whatever prey it is that they're happening that they happen to be to have just hunted for their dinner and so my theory is that it's that this kind of slightly feral nature this a little bit I'm not sure what you're gonna do and so that makes me just ever so slightly on edge with you cat and the fact that we that we haven't been able to domesticate them that we haven't been able to as we perceive bring them completely and totally under our control which of course that's also the shadow aspect of humans just a little bit that as I maintain, I think that's rooted in a biological imperative that we feel a lot more comfortable, even though we're an apex predator on the planet, we feel a lot more comfortable in understanding that we can um, tame a horse and that horse can work for us and ride. We can tame a dog and that dog will also do work for us and that dog will be our companion. Cats, there's that little bit of unknown quantity and unknown factor in there because we haven't been able to domesticate them. And it's so interesting though that it's that kind of very mystical, magical quality about cats that in previous civilizations has elevated them to the status of deity, of goddess. And I'm thinking of particularly the goddess um, Bast or Bastet. You may have seen that she was depicted as a female figure wearing a cat's head. And so my bottom line with the difference between cats and dogs is that I would invite you to consider that to be a neutral difference. That it's not really about a preference of liking dogs over cats. It's probably more stepping into that place of 
Oh, I really, really love dogs. And here's the reason why I love dogs. Dogs are just unconditionally loving. Dogs absolutely and completely want to please you pretty much all the time. And so our task as humans is to figure out exactly how this dog can please us. With cats, it's a little bit of a different energy. And my view, my perspective of this is that it's one is not any better than the other. It's simply stepping into a different energy and making your own experience as human here on this planet much broader and much richer. Because when you step into the energy of cat, you're stepping a little bit into a mystical place. You're stepping into a magical place. You're stepping into a place where even though you might perceive and oh my gosh I'm reminded that I get this a lot sometimes with cats just as we talked about with dogs and the difference even though you might have adopted a particular breed of dog and might have said wow this dog is really different a golden retriever is really different than this new golden retriever I just adopted the exact same thing goes for cats and I think they do get kind of a bad rep and they do get because of that lack of domestication that we have not propagated onto cats, that they appear to be aloof, that they appear to be fairly independent. And I would dare say that most of the cat lovers out there listening to this podcast would probably say, nothing could be further from the truth. They can be very warm, very loving, very interested in having an interdependent and very close relationship with you. And just like all other species on the planet, including humans, if you follow their lead, things are going to work out a lot better for you. Where, again, particularly with cats, humans tend to get a little bit, you know, off off the mark, if you will, is that we have expectations for them. I think because cats physically appear to be warm and fuzzy and completely adorable and small and furry and they purr and they're warm and nothing is better than taking a nap or having a long sleep with the cat, there definitely are cats who will not want to do that with you. And so their way of being close with you in a room might be if you're all curled up on the sofa they would curl up on the chair opposite you in the same room that doesn't mean that they don't love you it just simply means that they have a personal preference for their space to be a little bit more separate from you chances are good though if you got up off of that sofa and wandered into the next room your cat may very well follow you into that next room. And they may sit there at the door of that next room and they may look at you and there might be an an ongoing dialogue between you and that cat and the cat might be saying, oh, okay, we've changed rooms. What did we come in here for? I'm going to watch and just kind of see what happens here. I'm interested, I'm curious to see what's going to be happening here in this room. And say you happen to go into the room to the kitchen to fix yourself a snack. And the cat will be interested in what you're doing. You fix yourself the snack. You go back to get some more couch or sofa time. You walk back into the room. The cat may pause. They may have a little bit to eat out of their dish of food in the kitchen. And they may or may not come back into that room with you. Again, it doesn't mean that they don't love you. It just means that for this particular animal, in their particular animal experience on this planet, they happen to be a being 
like all of us can be at some times, introverts <laughs> unite, that we just like a little bit more personal space. If this happens to be your particular feline companion, I would invite you to invite them. Just because they don't do that automatically doesn't mean that we can't have good manners with them and invite them in. If you see them across the room, I would invite you to say, hey, I'd love it if you come over here with me. You could even pat the sofa next to you. That cat will receive the message from you. They will make their choice based on how they are in that moment and their comfort level. And I would invite you please not to take it personally if that cat doesn't leap off the, <laughs> off the chair immediately and come across and sit next to you on the sofa. Really the key with animals, especially companion animals, is not to take it personally. I happen to believe that for cats, they are safer being inside. That being said, I am also aware and have worked with many cats in my experience that that feral aspect of them, if you will, that feral facet of them is incredibly strong. And these are animals that absolutely do need to have some outside time. If that happens to be your cat, I would invite you to see if you can train it and treat it literally with lots and lots of high-value treats. Um, I've seen videos of clicker training with cats. I'll see if I can find a video of that and put it in the podcast notes on the Buzzsprout page. That you can clicker train a cat using a harness. <laughs> I've also seen videos as I'm sure you have on Facebook where cats are in a harness and you take them out for a walk and they they just play dead and of course the goal is not to drag the cat <laughs> the goal is to have companionship with that cat and to invite them to enjoy the outside safely with you if you happen to have a cat that really does have a yearning to be outdoors to do a little bit of earthing for themselves to do a little bit of connecting with other beings outside there's also places, certainly I'm aware here in Colorado, I've seen ads for them on Facebook, of people that build, for lack of a better word, catios. Even if you live in an apartment, it's easy enough to build a catio based on, on a window that you happen to have, even if your apartment is a pretty good distance off the ground. In that way, you let that animal experience the light, the sound, all of the aspects of being outside at the same time making them having them have a place that as a guardian you know is really safe from other predators out there because even though we've we've chosen to share our lives with these animals they we can't completely remove them from the web of balance that exists on this planet between predator and prey and if you choose to take them outside and put them into a harness, a key would be making sure that they can't slip out of that harness. There's numbers of different kinds of harnesses. And again, this is, it's a training thing. If you put a harness on them for the first time, it's a personal preference thing as well. There are some animals that really like wearing harnesses, just like there are certain animals that really don't mind getting dressed up in costumes. This is kind of an individual thing. Again, I would invite you to follow the lead of your animal. Trust me when I say that they actually do know what works for them. And every single time you follow their lead, things will work out much, much better for you and much, much better for them. 
If you like this podcast, I would absolutely encourage you to subscribe on whatever platform you happen to be listening to it at. You can find me on social media. My website is www.lizanne, Flynn.com. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Lizanne Flynn as well, my personal page as well as my professional page. I think I might have mentioned we've also got an the Animals I View Facebook group. I'd love to have you join me there. I'm also on Twitter and on Instagram. So yeah, go ahead and look me up if there's some way that I can be of service to you. I have clients actually all across the country. I do in-person sessions locally here in Colorado. I do phone sessions though and video chat sessions pretty much anywhere in the world. And so I look forward to connecting with you all really, really soon. I'm Lizanne Flynn. This has been the Animals Eye View podcast. See you next time. (laughs) 